Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard This is how we do it. It's episode number 34 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the number one Eric Roberts-related podcast in the world. I'm Doug Tillian, making his triumphant return to the podcast and back from the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. It's my co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I am so good. Now, Liam, you recently moved your house to a different house. Is that correct? That's true. I packed up my meager belongings, and I drove them further up the hill, and now I'm further up the hill. No, I don't. I don't want to pry too much. But did this happen because your wife kicked you out after you impregnated her? <laughs> yeah, she was so horrified that she's carrying my progeny that now, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've, I've I've been told to leave, and now me and the cat are are in my bachelor pad. You're a bachelor pad. And now, Liam, how did you find this Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival? Oh, I uh, I work for the fest. <laughs> you went to Chicago and you turned left. Yeah, I basically was like. Hey, where does all the convention stuff happen in Chicago? Not the cool cultural stuff, just the weird convention stuff. And then i that's where I went. Now, what was the best movie you saw at the Horror Film Festival? Honestly, I'd have to say it was I Am Not a Serial Killer. Really? I've been hearing good things. Yeah, it's really great. What was the worst movie you saw? Uh, No, thank you. <laughs> I figured you had enough connections to the people who were attending <laughs> that festival. It wouldn't be a good idea. But you had a very good experience? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was great meeting some new people. Uh, honestly, for whatever reason, um, I didn't get to see as many movies this year. I was driving a lot of people around to the airport and stuff, so I missed a few of the movies, but I still had a good time overall. This begs the question, Liam O'Donnell, who was the most famous person you drove around? Hmm. I would say I don't know, actually, who's the most famous. I would say the one for whom I had the strongest connection was Fred Decker. That was pretty great. So you drove Fred Decker around? I mean, around like a couple times from the airport and to the hotel and stuff. Not like a lot. Did you pull over to the side of the road and ask him questions about Star Trek Enterprise? I did not, but I should have. Yeah, you certainly should. Anyway, Liam, shut up for a second. Today's guest is a writer and filmmaker from lovely Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You can find him on Twitter at Jesse Hawken, and you can find him today on Eric Roberts is a Fucking Man. Welcome, Jesse Hawken, to the show. How are you doing today, Jesse? I am good. I am be- I've been better because I just finished watching two Eric Roberts movies. Mm, <laughs> but I, I don't like to hear that at all. I guess we'll get into that. <laughs> I am good. No, how uh, are you guys? Oh boy, don't 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 ask Liam how he's doing. Just talk to me right now. Thank you so much for having me on. It's it's a real pleasure. I, I to fancy have you myself on. an Eric Roberts aficionado. I'm very I'm pretty convinced that I can speak at length about Eric Roberts with you guys. It's why we had you on, Jesse, because you have a specialty in Eric Roberts. You know Eric Roberts inside and out. I've always been interested in Eric Roberts, and I've always been cheering for him. It's been very difficult. It's safe to say that the only two Eric Roberts movies that you had never previously watched were the two that you had to watch for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I've I guess seen, there was a reason. I've seen more than my fair share of Eric Roberts movies. Absolutely. Now, with that in mind, what do you think is the prime number one? 
top level example of an Eric Roberts movie. When he showed up in the very first few films in his filmography, he was one of the best actors in America. I would go that far. Mm. In Star 80, right? where he played Paul Snyder, I guess, Dorothy Stratton's husband slash murderer. What a performance. And he, he, he had only been in a couple of movies before that. Huge star-making performance. Like, everybody was like, who is this guy? I don't know if he was Oscar-nominated for it. He should have been. I think Golden Globes, may, actually, maybe Golden Globes that even yeah. came before that. Yeah, his only Oscar nomination for the, came for, for Runaway, Train. Runaway Train. Which is also great. I got a question for you, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, first choice. Mm-hmm. Now, what's that called these days? It's called the Movie Network now. The Movie Network. Now, I don't have but, cable. Yeah, first choice. There was, at one point, there was first choice and Super Channel. Super Channel still exists, though. Yeah, it does. It's the other pay TV channel, ironically. I think what happened was <clears throat> they split the country in half or something for the because two pay TV channels couldn't survive in a country with 25 million people in it. Mm-hmm. So they, they, there was an arts channel called C Channel that went off the air like two months after it went on the air because you had to actually subscribe to it and oh. people weren't. That was sort of the beginning of Canada getting dumber when our first arts <laughs> channel went off the air immediately. But then there was First Choice and Super Channel. But eventually, I think they split it up so that First Choice was on the east side of the country and Super Channel was on the west. And then now uh, there's no such thing as First Choice anymore. Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. Liam, I know you're probably not very interested in, <laughs> in pay TV. TV. <laughs> but I, I mean, I will, only because it's in Canada. I will Canadian tell you something. TV. I'm going to tell you something, Liam, that you're going to find interesting. Okay. On the movie network, late at night, they show pornography. <laughs> like they show actual pornography with penetration. But they cut out the uh, money shots. <laughs> that is absolutely a true thing. That seems odd. And I think they've actually stopped showing the porn, too. Do what? I think they've taken the porn off. This is I, a devastating thing for me to I know. Like, Why would you even have the movie network? <laughs> I, I like going into somebody's house who's got pay TV, but I, I don't think I'd subscribe to it. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to say, Jesse. Why is that? I don't know. It's just eventually that <clears throat> I'm just more interested in other channels. I, I think that the when I, I think when I was a kid, we had pay TV, and eventually you're very familiar with all the movies because you keep seeing them over and That's over again. That's very true. On. Yeah. Not a lot of variety. It's it gets numbing because they're on for a year. That's actually a very good point. A couple of days ago, I was talking about the movie Nothing But Trouble from the early 90s, mm -hmm. the Tan Aykroyd director. Of course. And I realized while we were talking about it that I had seen that movie probably 20 times because I had pay TV in the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw it over and over again. It was in this kind of collection of movies with like Memoirs of an Invisible Man, also with Chevy Chase, and Young Einstein, which I saw way too many times. Just a ridiculous number. Can I just complain about something, though? Yes, please. Okay, so, like, everybody likes Brian De Palma again, right? Like, sure. now he's fashionable. On Twitter, they do. There was a long time. Yeah, on film Twitter, De Palma's been reclaimed. I've been banging the drum for De Palma for a long time. I love Brian De Palma. But now everybody loves him. I'm happy to see that. Except most people who say they love Brian De Palma say that they hate Scarface, which is one of his best movies. Hmm. But a lot have you. I don't know how you guys feel about Scarface. Oh, I love Scarface. I, I I didn't like how it kind of got co opted and became this fashionable thing. But just because something is fashionable, I have no. I think that's the like secret it. reason that people don't like Scarface. Yeah, mm. I think they have contempt for people who like Scarface. But mm. that's not fair to Scarface. 
Scarface I'm, is awesome. But I'm, I think I'm, one of the reasons is that I uh, watched it on pay TV a lot when I was a kid. So I feel kind of defensive of it when people say it's so boring. Jesse, I'm kind of ambivalent on it. Well, that's okay, Liam. You're all right. You're, he's talking to me right now, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, the, the pay TV, the, the ubiquity of the certain movies on pay TV, Scarface was always on when I was a kid. Jesse, so maybe that's why I'm defensive of it. Jesse, your take on Michael Mann. Oh, I love Michael Mann. I haven't been interested in Mann's stuff lately. A lot of people love Miami Vice. I thought it was okay, but I thought he peaked with The Insider. Right. And I love Heat, obviously. What's not to love? Some people but don't like Heat. What is I, that I all about? Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember when it came out, review. there was like, Now Magazine gave it like one N and said it was a terrible, terrible film. it's like i think they just really resented that the idea of the two of those actors showing up for one scene i think people felt ripped off jesse it might sound like right now that our conversation is a way of trying to avoid having to talk about the movies that are going to be discussed on this week's eric roberts is the fucking man and the reason it sounds like that is because that is absolutely the case. <laughs> because I do not want to talk about these movies. I have no interest. No. I Honestly, I can't even imagine a way to make it interesting to have us talk about them. But we're going to. We're going to do we're it. We're going to do our best. Yeah. But before we talk about those movies, we have to talk about this week's latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. Recently, on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, found at Eric Roberts, all one word, on August 27th, he apparently watched the movie The Hollers, and he tweeted out to John Krasinski, finally, we get to start using the word brilliant again, and we get to laugh and cry and laugh again. John Krasinski then replied with, wait, what? No idea how to process such great words from such a great actor. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Very kind uh, uh, back and forth there between Eric Roberts and John Krasinski. Jesse, have you seen The Hollers? No, no. The Heart She I have Hollers. not seen The Hollers. The Heart She Holler? Yeah. I have not. No. It's just The Hollers, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Liam, Liam, are you a big John Krasinski fan? That's the dude from uh, The Office. The Office, yes. And yeah, no, uh, that... no, no, thank But you. now he's snapped, right? Like he's in 13 hours. Isn't he in something else, sort of right wing coming up? Yeah, because he was in that, right, the Benghazi I movie. Think, that's right. Yeah, I think they're, re- they're doing a Jack oh, Ryan series. That's right. Or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. And he's going to play, you know, the fucking Tom Clancy hero. Are we meant to like, believe? Has Krasinski snapped? Are we meant to believe that this is representative of his extreme right wing politics? I'm going to have to know. say. I'm going to have to say. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember how, like, Gary Sinise for years was in all these, like, movies where he played, like, right wing, and then he eventually became right wing? It was awesome. Gary Sinise is an actor. I only know him from the Lieutenant Dan Band. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, what about CSI New York? Well, oh, oh, I was glad helps. when he was on CSI New York because that meant that he couldn't be in movies. Oh, poor Gary Sinise. He is a <laughs> hell of a stage actor, probably. I've never seen him in anything. He was in that. Hey, it's not that he's a bad actor. It's not that he's a bad actor. Speaking of, uh, we're not going to talk about. Uh, this is me trying to talk about anything but Eric Roberts. Sure. Quickly, mm. uh, Sinise was in De Palma's Mission to Mars. Oh, that's right. Of course, one of his, Eyes. his triumphs. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. So and Snake Eyes, of course. 
but he was like this sort of military villain in that movie and then like in real life he turned in i think he spoke at one of the republican conventions mm. you know the rock spoke at a uh, republican convention um uh, i did not know that yeah yeah he did earlier yeah very very much earlier. not this year <laughs> not this year <laughs> he loves everyone that isn't nobody years. wants to do that uh, Just so, cut bio. so what we're talking about right now jesse this yes. actually does play into one of the films that we're here to talk about in the sense that i want to ask you if you find the politics of an actor repugnant does that affect your willingness to enjoy them in a movie it depends on how good the actor is. Okay, okay, let me give you an example. Like Gary Oldman, I can put up with his politics because he's a good actor. How about an actor? I'm just going to throw one out there. Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> First of all, he's not an actor. He's, a, he's an icon. Mm. He, has a new, he has a new Netflix show. With, uh... He sure does. And he's been in the news lately. Perhaps you'd like to... Touch oh, on that. You're, 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 no, we'll touch on that once we talk about him oh, at oh, length. Of course. In the movie. If we, can, we got news to go through right now. Of course. I don't mean to race ahead to talk about Eric Roberts. Anyway, since Liam was away for our most recent episode, I want to get your reaction, Liam, about the news that stocked by my doctor. The return is not only going to be arriving, it's going to be arriving Labor Day weekend. Yes, very soon, we, Liam, you and I are going to be able to experience stocked by my doctor, the return on the Lifetime Network. Tell me your your immediate feelings about this news. I think I'm a little conflicted in that I want to watch it right away because I enjoyed the last one so much, but I know we're going to need to watch it for the show at some point. So I can't decide if I should delay that gratification so that I enjoy it more when we need to watch it for the show, or if I'm just going to find it immediately. Now, Jesse stocked by my doctor was a lifetime television movie, which featured Eric Roberts as a doctor who stalked a young woman. He was a surgeon, in fact. And in mm -hmm. the course of stalking her, he did a number of very wacky things, including humping her bedsheets, ripping an American girl doll to bits and basically wallowing in trash and yelling at women. It's very, yeah. very entertaining. So we were very excited about the idea of a follow up. That wasn't a question. That was just mostly me making a statement and seeing if you have any thoughts about them. This is this is for the Lifetime Network? Lifetime Network. <clears throat> you, well, considering that we're spending a lifetime watching Eric Roberts movies, what better network to have Eric Roberts on more often? That's a good point. He's He's appeared in a few of their productions. Though I have to say, stocked by my doctor, top quality. Liam O'Donnell, I had a person who was very concerned about the fact that the trailer for Stock by My Doctor, The Return, seemed a little too self-aware. Is that a concern that you have? I mean, there is that danger, because the first one, if it was self-aware, it didn't come across that way. It came across more like someone really tried to make this really badass thing, and, and instead they made this other ridiculous entity. And my worry is that it'd be kind of like uh, if yeah. the sharknado series was not so immediate like what if someone mm -hmm. really had made a uh one of these sci-fi features without winking like they just right. had actually made yeah. a crazy one and then it got so popular they're like let's just do that again yeah. it's funny to think that i mean there are decades of lifetime movies 
which have lots of ridiculous content in them, but nobody was was thinking of them as as ridiculous when they were making them. Just like you know, through the fifties, there's yeah. hundreds of monster movies that were were meant to be you know scary, that were meant to have a certain element of thrill to them, without people saying you know look at how ridiculous our monster is, that sort of thing. It reminds me of the um, the R. Kelly Trapped in the Closet series because it was awesome at the beginning, but then they started realizing what people were enjoying about it, and then trying to tailor it to that, it became more campy. A midget, but a at midget. the beginning, yeah, the first few episodes, it's it's well, you know, whatever you feel about R. Kelly, obviously, but it works as something insane. Yes, but then it turns into like Desperate Housewives. Yes, remember when he did that live performance? Was it on the VMAs where he was just? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was legendary. One... That, that should was... be on the DVD. Actually, <laughs> that was fantastic. That was like going inside his mind. It was great. I mean, it was great in the sense that no, I don't care for R. Kelly at all. But you're right; those yeah. first uh, those first uh, few episodes of Trapped in the Closet were one of those things that I never thought we'd be talking about. Stuff. Exactly. So yeah, because he was just so deranged and, exactly. and so. Ugh. But then he was like, "Oh, that. Oh, you you think it's funny? Oh, well, then let me entertain you." I don't like when people understand why people enjoy things. No. <laughs> so so this one's more self aware. So Eric Roberts is like camping it up and has there been any footage yet there is there has been some footage and a trailer yeah absolutely there has but but he was at least semi-self-aware in the original in in the sense that he was over the top but the rest of the movie was played very straight my concern is that they're going to pitch everything up but i guess we'll see yeah we'll see eric roberts is up for it though if Fury Road left you hungry for more post-apocalyptic action, then be sure to seek out The Sector from director Josh Ridgway. I think I've mentioned it before on this show. It has uh, Richard Tyson, Eric Roberts, and Lance Henriksen in it. Uh, it's now available on VOD, and you can purchase it on Amazon today if one is so inclined. Uh, the trailer actually looks pretty good. I will be checking out The Sector with Lance Henriksen and Eric Roberts, two actors who love to slum it. Hey, Jesse Hawkins in Toronto. And if you're mm-hmm. in Toronto in select theaters, you'll be able to see the charismatic comedy Moments of Clarity starting on September 23rd, 2016. Hey, that's a good time to show something in Toronto. Right after the film festival. Right after the film festival, the, uh, the Frank Angelo sweet spot. Um, oh. <laughs> the film stars uh, Lindsay Fonseca from Kick-Ass, uh, Marguerite Moreau from Wet Hot American Summer, and Eric Roberts from The Dark Knight. It tells the story of a repressed agoraphobic daughter and a hardened pastor's daughter, while escaping their homes to fix a broken camera, they end up en route to attend an annual church youth group jamboree. On the way, they encounter a host of characters that slowly reveal that their worlds aren't what they thought they were. Liam, from that description, are you interested in seeing moments of clarity? I mean, does my interest really matter? Uh, I'm going to see it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I uh, Yeah, I guess I'm interested. I don't know. I've, I, I didn't really love that Sicilian vampire too much. Well, no, this isn't a Frank D'Angelo movie. Oh, sorry. I wasn't paying You're attention. You're thinking of the Red Maple Leaf coming soon. Oh, coming, right. I am. Not soon. It, the poster should say coming not soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. I would see it right now. Jesse Hawkins is a renowned fan of Frank D'Angelo. I'm not sure what repressed agoraphobic means. Well, actually, that's a very good point. Uh, <laughs> like, is agoraphobia? She, is she repressing her agoraphobia, or is she just agoraphobic? No. And also repressed. I think her repression is her repressed state is probably related to her agoraphobia. That's my best guess. I think both of you are wrong because, again, if you read it, it's the story of a repressed agoraphobic daughter. So the daughter isn't necessarily oh. agoraphobic. Uh, right. That's the twist at the end of the movie. That's it. 
You've been Shyamalan. Uh, so that's a movie that you can see, Jesse Hawkins, because you live in Toronto. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is this a horror movie or a Christian movie? Oh, boy, that's a it great question. kind of like a Christian movie, but at the end, it sounds like they all get killed. The worlds aren't that's what the end of the description. Uh, it says, on the way, they encounter a host of characters that slowly reveal that their worlds aren't what they thought they were. No, that still sounds Christian to me. Okay, so it's, yeah, okay, good. I thought it was like an elaborate conspiracy or something. Hey, you know those movies about guys in college who have to stand up to their professor who's an atheist? Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole series of them now. The God's Not Dead series? Yeah, there's God's Not Dead, but there's also another one. And the reason I bring this up is because... Remember Night Court, the sitcom from the 80s? Yes. Well, Harry Anderson was the was the star of that. And Harry mm-hmm. Anderson plays one of these atheist professors in uh, one of these movies. Oh, but but he was probably a Christian by this point, right? And he's playing an atheist? I Yeah, of course. They only have... Because I think Kevin Sorbo plays the fucking... <laughs> but, I mean, that's... I didn't that, know if I had to throw out all my Night Court DVDs. Well, I mean, maybe you would. I think... I I haven't seen the movie. But uh, I, I mm-hmm. was depressed, actually, to hear that. Very much so. Do you, remember, do you remember all these sort of uh, rapture kind of movies that they used to make in Niagara Falls with, like, Mr. T and Howie Mandel and stuff? We Eric covered Roberts one of those. those. We, it's funny that you mentioned that because we did cover one of those very movies, which featured – actually, you know what? It was not this. It was a different podcast. The one that you're referring to with Howie Mandel and it had Gary Busey. And Gary Busey. And Margot Kidder is in it. Yeah. Um, and you're right. That is exactly the kind of thing that uh, Eric Roberts could be in because on a very recent episode, we call we watched a movie called what was it called, Liam? The Mark. Yeah, like the uh, the Mark, the Mark of the Unleashed. Yeah, no, the Mark. No. Of, yeah, yeah, you're right. The Mark Unleashed. Okay. And that was a uh, exactly the same kind of movie. Uh, in this case, it starred uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was the star of this Christian movie about the Rapture, uh, mm-hmm. and and Eric Roberts shows up for two minutes in the first ten minutes and gets killed. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's awesome. I'll tell you a little tale out of school. I, I used to work for the Toronto Film Festival, mm-hmm. and I I was I did some work pre-screening uh, submissions, and you know I will not talk about any of the films, but I can tell you that I saw several films that had Eric Roberts in them, and often like these were like you know low budget films that may have not even been seen outside being submitted for film festivals or a cast and crew screening or something, maybe a small distribution. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them would have Eric Roberts in them, and then he'd be first in the credits. But he'd only be in the movie for two minutes. They were tricking you. It's a funny thing that you say there, Jesse Hawkins. <laughs> it's something that may have been mentioned several times on this podcast. <laughs> because if you look at, This say, bait and switch of putting his name at the beginning of the credits, and then he's in the first two minutes, and then it's a bunch of people you don't know who they are. If you look at, say, the 40 movies he's made in 2016 and, uh, yeah. and, and how the credits are listed on them, it does seem often that yeah. he's listed first but shows up for only a handful of scenes. And most of those scenes have almost no uh, effect on the plot at all. No. No. Now, I saw one movie where uh, they stuck Tom Berenger in. Mm. I can't even remember the name of the movie, but like Berenger shows up. And it's very top-heavy, though, because like nobody else in the movie is anybody. Like they're unknown actors. It's a low budget film, but then like a movie star face shows up and it's confusing, especially if they're only in the movie for a minute. Now, we actually covered a, uh, a movie on this very podcast directed by David Dakota, which mm-hmm. features Tom Berenger in it. 
and he, all of his scenes Great. were shot against a green screen and he plays <laughs> like a judge and he sort of like narrates different parts of the movie uh, but has no actual effect on the plot at all and Eric Roberts is in that movie as well and it's it was fun. what was it called Amazing. Liam I don't know. I think you might not have been here for that one, but uh, it was. It actually has a number of different names because it was unwatchable garbage. The actress that I saw the most in in films that were submitted for programming, I would see Eric Roberts a lot, and Michael Madsen even more than that. Oh yes. But the person that was in the most movies that I saw was Keith David. He's always he's in the lots and lots of movies in small roles. This was like about five years ago. Sure. But my goodness. I was he, like, he showed up all the time. Thankfully, Cloud Atlas came out and broke him as an actor. I know. <laughs> well, you know, Keith David's always welcome. He's his welcome sight in any movie, but, you know, it's like we he were. should be doing bigger movies, is how I feel. We Too watched and was it? I never saw Cloud Atlas. Was he a big role? He actually had a very substantial role in that. Good and for him. To the point where it was kind of depressing that people were so harsh on it because he's so good in yeah. it. We yeah. watched a movie about uh, Keith David owning a, uh, a Christmas tree lot uh, and trying to bring Christmas cheer to uh, an urban uh, group of children. And uh, he was almost run out of business by a record executive played by Eric Roberts. <laughs> Damn you, Roberts. Jesse Hawken. Yeah. Why did we have to watch national security and witless <laughs> protection this week on Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Well, because you'd already seen Runaway Train. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent answer. I, I naively asked, have you guys done Runaway Train yet? <laughs> it's like episode, what, what's the number now? I think it was oh two goodness. or three. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, national security and witless protection, they sound thematically similar. Mm. And in a way, they're both quite related to each other. They star egomaniacal semi-movie stars martin lawrence is in uh, which one are we doing first are we doing national we're, security we're going to do them chronologically so we were going we're Perfect. going to do national security first you know what's one thing i i thought was interesting jesse is that you could probably switch the titles of these two movies around and yes. it wouldn't have to really change anything at all no and in fact at one point in in witless protection somebody identifies themselves as being national security not just somebody yafet kodo yells it out right at the screen yo We'll get to that. <laughs> but yes, yeah. No, there are actually some thematic similarities between this these two movies and also other and also other similarities like the fact that they're both terrible. Yes. And they're also very offensive mm. in their own ways. Yes, that's They're that's... kind of racist. Mm -hmm. They're kind of sexist. Yeah. And they're really unfunny, which is really bad in a comedy to not have any laughs in the movie. Hmm. I was sort of, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about but it. In fact, oh, we'll boy. We'll talk about it right after our first break, which we're going to have right now. When we come back, 2003's National Security starring Martin Lawrence. Join us in just a moment. I'm from 
a home where the buffalo roam And niggas don't give a flying fuck Talk with signs up, walk with the iron tuck Leave your eyes wide shut Money bags on the table, got to get my gut Level eyes, see me slicker, pick up A pretty sister, dig her out on the table Bent off the Remy liquor, head splitter The liver so cold, I send shivers Two mismatched security guards are thrown together To bust a smuggling operation Yes, it's the comedy classic National Security from 2003, directed by Dennis Dugan, also the renowned director of I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, Grown Ups, Jack and Jill, and the upcoming Dog Napped. It's also written by Jay Sherrick and David Ron, who wrote I Spy, Norbit, The Zookeeper, and three Smurfs movies. I should also mention that all three of these people are white men, which will become interesting in just a moment. Gentlemen... National Security is a movie starring Martin Lawrence and Steve Zahn. And I don't want to really give away my... I don't want to show my hand in regards to my feelings on it. I want to start with our guest, Jesse Hawkins. What did you think of National Security? Whew. Agreed. Sometimes sometimes watching a movie is like climbing a mountain. In the sense that you don't go right up the mountain in like one big run all the way to the top because your lungs will explode. You know, the changes in altitude can, you know, they, they're very dangerous. You've got to reacclimatize yourself, get sort of build up the strength, set up a base camp of halfway up and, and then go up to the top. And this movie was very much like that. It was very difficult to not press stop every 15 minutes and then walk away for two hours and then go back over to it and try watching a few more minutes of it. Oh, I saw this movie. In fact, I was uh, when it started. I was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen this," but how come I don't remember anything about it? And then I remembered that I took a bus from Ottawa to Toronto one night, and on the bus they had movies on the bus on the screens, mm-hmm. and one of them was National Security, and I didn't buy any headphones, so I just looked at it. <laughs> and then, that, so that seems like the ideal like, way to actually yeah. appreciate the movie. <laughs> so I've seen this movie in the in the sense that I looked at it once. But this was the first time that I fully engaged with it, with like listening to what people were saying, oh, with headphones on and really experiencing the be- from the beginning to the end this movie. But it was very difficult to do in a straight 90 minute run because it was so bad. So it is was that your, so bad. You're trying to tell us that this movie is a bad movie. I'm just going to put it out there at the beginning of this thing. It was terrible. Now, you mentioned terrible. You mentioned before the break, Jesse, that you thought that it also was racist. Why did you say that? Well, Martin Lawrence's character is like this hapless, <clears throat> attitude uh, you know, guy who's in, like, he's, he can't make the police force because if he snaps and freaks out on everybody and does goes against the grain, doesn't do what he's told. <laughs> oh, but, but the movie would, just stops dead while he does these shit, uh, shitty comedy routines. Martin Lawrence was like very popular at this point. This was like, I guess his popularity was from the mid-90s on TV, and then he became a movie star with like Bad Boys. This was like in the wake. Uh, this was just before Bad Boys 2. This was 2003? Yes, 2003. But every few months, there would be this bad cop movie that would, comedy that would come out, like Blue Streak or this, with Martin Lawrence as some you know, fast-talking, abusive, <laughs> abusive language, uh, lots of mugging. Oh, it was, it, it's sort of minstrelish would be how I would almost, I would go that far. 
just to it's give cartoonish. Yeah, it's cartoonish for sure. Just to give our our listeners who haven't seen this movie a, an idea of kind of the the center of the plot. It involves Steve Zahn as a police officer who ends up having to go to prison because he beats Martin Lawrence Martin Lawrence's character. But in the uh, at least that's what people think he does. But what really yeah. happened is that Martin Lawrence is being a complete asshole and is then being terrified of a bee that is flying around him because he's allergic to bees. While he's getting in a fight with the cops. While he's getting in a fight with the cops. And because Steve Zahn is kind of whirling his baton at these bees and someone is filming it, it looks like he's brutalizing Martin Lawrence. So Martin Lawrence basically lies about being beaten by the police in order to send a white cop to jail. Which is offensive on so many levels. I mean, it's offensive yeah. in 2016. It was offensive in 2003. And including lying on the stand. Yes. You know? It's like there's a five minutes of like courtroom comedy where he's like, he's a hostile witness, you know, and he's like belligerent and stopping everything cold and just saying the most outrageous things, which of course everyone wants to believe because this movie has this very cynical portrayal of like a black man getting justice in the courts. Oh. It's just, I mean, I mean, it was so I, offensive. And then and then the white cop goes to jail and then all these black guys are like looking at him like they're going to kill him because he attacked a black guy. And so he beats up the cops so he gets thrown in solitary so that he can't be killed by the black people. It's 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 maddening to watch. It really is. <laughs> Liam O'Dial, I want to throw this over to you. I'm guessing that you have maybe the counterpoint to the feelings that we've had about this movie so far. What are some of your, <laughs> what are some of your positive feelings about national security? What's weird about national security is it really comes across like Martin Lawrence has no idea what's going on in the movie. Like, nothing doesn't get to, you know, sort of mug and make fun and whatever. But I almost feel like he doesn't realize the film sort of sets him up as this negative example. Like uh, the film sort of suggests that this is what all of these people complaining about police brutality are actually doing. They're all just sort of making it up or being, I don't, it, it felt like watching it. He doesn't get that. Like it didn't seem like he was, he was privy to that. And there, it, it was so over the top that even some of the things he says that are supposed to be ridiculous, I kind of was like, yeah, no, that's fair. Like, so early on, the other part we didn't mention is that Martin Lawrence is somehow in this movie both the bumbling idiot and a super cop. Like, right. he is, he's, he's a rascal, but the reason he can be a rascal is that he's also somehow good at everything. And he so, gets results. <laughs> yeah. And so it, early on, he's in this police training thing and he's showing everybody up. And there's this moment where he doesn't shoot one of the perps he's supposed to shoot. And he has this like defense like, oh, that guy, you know, uh, uh, black man surrounded by all these white dudes. He's just hanging out. He doesn't know what's going on. And it's a I think it's supposed to show you that despite his skills, he's not very smart. But for me watching it, I was like. Nah, he's got a point though. Like that's fair. <laughs> like he probably well, should. Like, they're also making fun of sort of this sort of black pride, you know? Yes. Like, right. Exactly. But I like, found myself he's like, an idiot because he didn't shoot the black, and he's also right. you know stereotypical like like parodying sort of like you know black consciousness in a way. It's right. like he has right. this speech about not shooting another brother or whatever, and it's like you're making fun of that in the movie. Right. And but I can't tell if. He, I, I can't tell if Martin Lawrence is just like, I need to get that money 
or if he's like, no, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell what his attitude is in the movie. And it was like, it started to make me think on some sort of weird meta level of like, I'm watching the movie trying to figure out like, how much does Martin Lawrence know that this is awful? Like, how aware is he? Or is he just thinking, well, as long as I get to say goofy stuff and, and, and make jokes about my dick, it's okay. But but part of watching this, I mean, with the recognition that Martin Lawrence was a big star at the time. I mean, again, he was a very recognizable face. He wasn't in a lot of super successful movies, but was still a famous, you know, African-American. They were, they were movies that people would turn out for time yeah. and again. They weren't giant hits, but like Big Mama's House was a big hit. And the sequels did well enough. Like he yeah. was. Yeah. And he, he sort of wrote his own ticket for a little while. Like he was in movies a lot. Yeah, in the absolutely. Early part of the 2000s. So you would expect that he had some sort of creative control over this movie. So the sense that they were writing to him to some extent, because he's very much playing a Martin Lawrence character here. He's very mm-hmm. mouthy. He's very. He has tons of attitude, but he's also uh, he's also the butt of a lot of the humor here. But the problem with that in the context of this movie is that. This is a movie that centers around the idea of police brutality, of racism, of how a, a, a black man is treated in the United States. And by presenting himself as representative of that, the fact that he takes on all of the worst stereotypes of it mm-hmm. makes him come off as as being horrible, like really, really yeah, offensive like you don't to watch. like him. Yeah, that's another thing. He's an incredibly unlikable character. I felt this is just a really strange thing. I don't know if everyone would have this response to it, but I really like Steve Zahn as an actor. I actually think he's very good and very he's mm-hmm. been in a lot of shit, but he he really does have chops. But I all I could feel in this movie was sympathy for the fact that he had to be paired with this fucking asshole the entire movie. It was like they wanted somebody else, but they didn't get him. So then they got Steve Zahn. And he looks like he would rather not be there. I mean, and in a way that sort of works for the character that he's playing, because, uh, you know, Martin Lawrence is so irritating that I wouldn't want to be with him either. Yeah. So you have sympathy for him built in. Yeah, that's exactly it. Speaking of Canada, Liam O'Donnell, this uh, movie, one of its supporting characters is is played by Colm Fior, the famous Canadian actor. (laughs) Speaking of the insider. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Liam, yeah, he's, uh, he's a big actor in Canada. In fact, Liam O'Donnell, he played uh, former uh, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau in two television movies. And he was in Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Yes, Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Now, Liam O'Donnell, have you seen Bon Cop, Bad Cop? <laughs> I, the, the entire run, movie. the last the last minute of things you've been saying, I'm just like, you I don't know if anyone's talking about it right now. Well, what is I'm happening? in Canadian at this point. <laughs> it's, like, cop, it, 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 it's literally like you just kept saying, like, caribou hockey and donuts over and over again, and I don't know <laughs> well, what's going on. I've got some good news for you, Liam O'Donnell. The sequel to Bon Cop, Bad Cop is coming soon. Is oh, it called good. Two or Do? That's a very good question. You know, I believe Bon Cop, Bad Cop was, what was that, the highest grossing Canadian movie? It was a huge hit in Canada. Yes. Uh, Let me tell you something funny. I was down in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I went into a video store, and they had Bon Cop, Bad Cop for rent. (laughs) It was just like living in Toronto. It was awesome. (laughs) I was just like, God, has anybody in this town actually rented Bon Cop, Bad Cop? I, I was like, was it actually a hit around the world? I have no idea. 
Well, Bon Cup, Bad Cup, I, can I just say briefly, because it's so funny, it was it was 50% French and 50% English. The actors and the scenes were all divvied up between the two languages of the country. So you can watch it bilingually. That's the idea. It's It's a kind of movie that's supposed to bring a bilingual country <laughs> together, Liam. And the weird part was that it was a big hit because it also had a big Quebec actor, Patrick Ward, who, and I'm sure I just mispronounced his name, <laughs> but he's huge in Quebec and he was the, I guess he was the bon cop and Colin yeah. Fiore was the uptight bad cop. Yeah. Although that doesn't make any sense. Why doesn't that make sense? <laughs> uptight and bad cop? I don't know. Oh, I guess. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, they joined forces to to solve a crime that happened on the border between English and French Canada. <laughs> Sounds really exciting. It was a huge hit, it Liam. It was a big hit. <laughs> For Canada, that is. Yeah. I want to go back to the part where you said you like Steve Zod. Oh, me? I love Steve Zod. Are you telling me you don't What's like What's he doing Zod? these days? So this is so here's the thing. Not only, I, I, I feel ambivalent about Steve Zahn, but I've now had to formally for formally uh -huh. apologize to upwards of 10 people because I recommend they watch Treme and then later they would text or tweet at me wait you motherfucker you didn't tell me Steve Zahn was in this movie or TV show and I'd be like oh sorry I didn't realize that was an issue and they were like of course it's an issue what's wrong with you so apparently being oh, they have a beef? Uh, uh, at this point Nine out of ten people I've told to watch Treme have harassed me that I did not warn them Steve Zahn was in it. I'm going to guess that wow. the reason that they are upset about that is because Steve Zahn was in so many awful movies, and they connect him with that, despite the fact that he is not the bad part of those movies. I I, I, honest, I honestly think I, I'm not hugely familiar with him. If I don't count Treme, I think this is the only role I've seen him in that didn't seem not good so maybe i just haven't seen his good roles but like watching this i was like oh steve Zahn's pretty good at this actually he's he's not as good as treme but this is all right yeah yeah we like we're, we're gonna be high on the steve Zahn. apparently he's been doing a lot of television work but his one of his upcoming roles is in war for the planet of the apes so maybe we're we're coming we're back with with a steve zonnesense Get some. Uh, <laughs> let's get it on. Let's get it on. Well, also, I should mention in post production currently is a movie called Robo Dog, which has Ellen Page, Ron Perlman, Rain Wilson, and Steve Zahn. Pretty I'm, good. I'm so stoked on that. I was afraid you were going to say and Eric Roberts. Now, why would you be afraid that I would say something like that? <laughs> it's because it's been over five minutes since you've said Eric Roberts. It's not. Not fear that I felt; it was anticipation. Jesse we Hawkins talked about Eric Roberts lately. Can I just say though, another speaking of Colin Fiore, is Bill Duke is in this movie too? Yes, he is. Bill Duke, the he's a great actor, but he also directed a really great movie called Deep Cover. He's he's great. A, so Liam, do you want to say something about Deep Cover? A uh, great, one of my favorites. Yeah, so I love that movie. And he never really directed anything else that was that good. But he also acts. And he was in, uh, I guess, he was a bad guy in one of the Lethal Weapon movies, I think. Well, he was in Predator, of course. And Predator is what I'm thinking of. And Commando and, as well. Yes, absolutely. But but And so he he's always enjoyable. So it was, and I believed that he would be pissed off at Martin Lawrence. 
Mm-hmm. I would think so, because here's something else that you might find interesting, Jesse. You might know that there's a movie that's going to be uh, playing a tip this year called The Birth of a Nation. Yes. And it's very controversial at the moment. Yes, it is. Well, uh, it's about it's about a slave rebellion led by a gentleman named Nat Turner. Yes. Yeah. Well, Bill Duke he, was... He led the first major slave revolt. That's exactly right. Well, well, Bill Duke was going to make a movie also around the same time about Nat Turner, and that movie was going to feature Eric Roberts. Oh, beautiful. He would be perfect as a Southern gent. I would think so, too. Yeah. But I find him so sympathetic, I'd have trouble disliking him. Well, maybe that's his character, is sort of you feel bad for him. He's caught in a bad system. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that one. <laughs> anyway, getting back to Eric Roberts. Yes. <laughs> Eric Roberts is in the movie National Security. Yes, he plays the henchman. What's notable about Eric Roberts in National Security? He has fantastic hair in the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. He has platinum blonde hair. He he looks like a the, one of the henchmen in a sort of Pierce Brosnan era Bond movie. Yes. Like Tomorrow Never Dies would have like a silver haired, you know, henchman who, you know, the bad guy says, kill him. And, you know, he spends the rest of the movie. And then, yeah, Eric Roberts has a really good Bond villain look in the film. And he, he it starts off very well because there's a scene where Steve Zahn's going to go over to where to this warehouse because he's following he gets kicked off the police force we should talk about the plot a little bit he gets kicked off the police force and then he still wants to solve this case even though he's no longer a cop he gets a job as a security guard and he has a, access to a police scanner so he finds this robbery that's going on that bears a resemblance to the one that you know where he got into the big fight with lawrence so he shows up and it just so happens that that factory is a Coca-Cola bottling plant that Martin yeah. Lawrence is the security guard at. Just happens to be a factory full of product placement. Which is funny because the movie was done by Columbia Pictures that used to be owned by Coca-Cola. That's interesting. Very interesting. So uh, so there's this huge shootout with Eric Roberts with an Uzi shooting and you know, hiding behind all these pallets of Coca-Cola bottles. Yes. And Coke spraying everywhere. And it 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 the thing is it's it's kind of inert as action. Like it's not very exciting. No. It was filmed. I just want to say that this movie was filmed by a guy named Oliver Wood, who's a veteran cinematographer. And he has a very interesting career, but like he did this the footage for national security, but he went on to make the Barn trilogy, which is fairly well shot, those movies. But this one's really ugly. Very boring. The action's very leaden. And uh so there's this huge shootout that takes like three minutes with like Coke and Sprite bottles getting perforated with bullets and Martin <laughs> Lawrence running around. And it's just boring. It's very boring. But at in least fact, Eric Roberts looks good. In fact, most of the action in this movie is pretty uninteresting, I would say. No. It's like well, trying to be hilarious but and having sort of comic interplay in between these car chases, and it's just a it's the wrong tone. Not just the it action. It doesn't succeed. But... Not just the action, but all the stuff that happens between the action is also not very engaging. <laughs> In fact, there there's whole sections of the movie that feel like there should be a scene connecting one action sequence to another, but it's just a cut, and then you're just like, oh, yeah. I guess we're I guess we're here now. 
<laughs> I guess this is what's happening now. And it's it, it really feels like the folks who wrote it were just sitting around going, all right, so then what happens? I don't know. The van's in the truck. Then what do they do? Well, they drive off the truck. Oh, that's great. Off a bridge? Yeah, a bridge. Oh, and like, no one bothered to sit and figure out, like, okay, well, why is any of this, these things happening right now? Well, like, this, is, this is – and this is more of the stupid, like, Martin Lawrence. Is he an idiot or is he a brilliant cop? I don't, You know, right. like, so there's a scene where, like, he's driving – they steal like a driver's ed car. Mm-hmm. So they both have steering wheels and they're chasing, they're trying to find this truck and this, you know, they start fighting over the wheels and like the car zigzagging and then it smashes into a bunch of, you know, those buckets with water in them that every car chase movie has, uh, you know, cars slamming into these buckets that spray water everywhere. And then when the car comes to a halt, there's the, there's the truck they were looking for. It's like so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It I know make- it's a dumb comedy, but it's just like, do you really think I'm that stupid is sort of how I feel when I'm sitting there watching a movie like this. We're not going to go into much more of the plot. In fact, we have to no. we have to finish up here. But I do want to mention that one of the central things in this movie involves this sort of space age metal. That, <laughs> <laughs> that might be the dumbest thing. Like in terms of, of a, of a um, of a MacGuffin at the center of a movie, it really is just one of the most fucking ridiculous things, uh, especially because there's one scene with Steven Toblowski um where he's like, I don't want to, I don't even want to have this in my factory because oh, it's so Oh, you Ned Ryerson? Yeah, we'll say Ned Ryerson just to make it, you comfortable, <laughs> Liam. But before we finish up, before we talk about Eric oh, Roberts... I want to talk about one more thing, though, sure. in this movie, which is the, the the other really offensive racist part. Oh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> so, so the movie has this, like, you know white people wrote this film, and you know that they wrote it for a black audience. And so like, and, and uh, so the movie's sort of like playing both sides. Like it's really mean about like black America and black American life, but it's pitched as a comedy that will like, that is marketed towards black audiences. And I would assume that most of the people that went to see the movie were, you know, it was a black crowd for the most part, but it's just so cynical. There's this scene in the movie where like Martin Lawrence is trying to patch things up with Steve Zahn because Steve Zahn's girlfriend left him when he got thrown in jail for beating up a black man. So Martin Lawrence is like, I'll help you patch things up with your girlfriend. So they go back to her house, the door opens and the girlfriend is black. And then Martin Lawrence doesn't help him out and says that he beat him up. And then the girlfriend kicks him out. And Steve Zahn's like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, I didn't know your girlfriend was black. I don't believe in the in the races mixing. And then 10 minutes later, they go to this place to get their car impound. The car has been impounded and they go to collect it. And there's this beautiful white woman working behind the counter. And Martin Lawrence starts putting the moves on her. And then Steve Zahn's like, what did, what's going on? Like, I thought you didn't like the races mixing. And he's like, I don't like to see black women go out with white men. And it's like, oh. I just wanted you- to, I literally wanted to destroy the movie I was watching. <laughs> When that part happened, it just made me, it just, you know, I, I understand. Like to me, I was like, there's gotta be a message here that I'm, tr- I'm just not picking up on. But all I could think was the people who made this are the worst people in the world. Yeah, It was completely offensive. It, it was very offensive. And, it, what- and, and like, and you know, and that's just an example of how little women meant in the movie anyway. Did you they, see? And then Leslie Jones shows up for a second. Remember yes. that scene with the truck where Martin Lawrence starts putting the moves on this female truck driver who's played by Leslie Jones. And the joke of the scene is that she's huge and he's tiny. And of course she's in love with him, even though he's an asshole. Yes. All women love Martin Lawrence, even though he's a piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway. Liam, I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing as we're talking about it, by the way, how similar these two movies are. But <laughs> Yeah, I know. Liam O'Donnell, how does Eric Roberts die in national security? So <laughs> they're, it's a great they're, they're, they're in this place in L.A. that is in a bunch of different movies that I guess is a real place. I don't know. But there's all these like broken pieces of asphalt on a cliff. And he is uh, trying to kill Martin Lawrence. And Steve Zahn is in a big crane. And he uses the crane to hit the asphalt, which flips Eric Roberts. I guess into the air and then he lands in the ocean and then we get, I guess a meaningful shot of like a dummy in the ocean to let us know that he's dead. Now it's very, um, wily coyote. It's a very wily coyote moment. There was some energy to that death though. At least I laughed. Well, that's, that was actually, it was one of the few action sequences in the film that has consequences of any kind or good framing. That brings like, us... I think they worked on the uh, storyboards for that scene. That brings us to the centerpiece of this podcast. And I'm glad that we talked about that part last because I need you to answer, both of you to answer, whether this movie, National Security, if Eric Roberts is the fucking man in it. So I'm going to start with the guest. Jesse, what did you think? Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in National Security? You know, this is one of those scenarios where, yes, by default, he is the fucking man. For sure. There's not enough of him in the movie. He makes the most of his time on the screen. And I'm awarding him the fucking man trophy, mostly because his hair is incredible. Mm -hmm. He does shoot up uh, a Coca-Cola bottling plant for two minutes with a machine gun. Very very much like Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill. Just endless shots of Eric Roberts shooting a machine gun, if you're into that. And his death scene is actually it kind of brings it up even further. Quite a death. Very, very entertaining. Liam O'Donnell, do you agree? I think the death scene put it over for me. I think, mm. um, I mean, he definitely has more energy here than some of the other things we watched, but <laughs> I, I was a little, I was a little on the fence, but then the death scene was so ridiculous. And it, you had ruined it for me because you posted that gif of it. Sorry. <laughs> and then I watched it and you didn't ruin it for me at all. It's so ridiculous. No, you actually, you put the gif up on, the, on, on I guess, on Twitter. And, and it gave me the strength that I needed to finish watching the movie. It's like there is something worth watching. Because I had watching. stopped <laughs> and was like, oh, God, there's 20 more minutes. You'll notice that yeah, I did. No, that was it. Was like great. It's like being able to see the finish line while you're running. <laughs> I, I also put up a GIF of uh, our next feature, which we'll be talking about momentarily. But uh, I don't know if that is going to make anyone pursue watching 2008's Witless Protection. By the way, I'm going to complete the Trinity and say that yes, of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2003's National Security, which you should not watch. I was reading something earlier that uh, a proper movie critic should never dissuade an audience from seeing a movie. So, which means, of course, that I am not a proper movie critic because I'm telling you, you don't want to watch either of these movies. They're fucking horrible. But if you're going to watch one of them, we'll discuss which one you should watch after we're finished talking about both of them. But before we do that, we have to take a break. And when we return, 2008's Witless Protection starring Larry the Cable Guy. We'll be right back.
small town sheriff kidnaps a woman from the FBI and oh god it's witless protection from 2008 directed and written by Charles Robert Carner who also uh, went on to direct or actually directed before this episodes of the television version of the untouchables an episode of supernatural and something called fantasy women battles uh, which i imagine is much better than witless protection it stars larry the cable guy in the lead as Deputy Larry Stalder. And uh, it co-stars Jenny McCarthy as his love interest, though she only has a very small appearance in the movie itself. I guess they couldn't afford her. So this movie um, is fucking horrible. Like, it really is just the goddamn worst. And I don't know how to describe it in a way that would make it entertaining. I I don't put much stock in Rotten Tomato, Tomatoes ratings. You certainly shouldn't. But uh, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, You'll find that there's only one positive review for Witless Protection, and I tried to go into that positive review today, but it uh, I was on one of those websites where it says, if you want to read it, click on this button, and it'll search the archives for it, and then you click on it, and it doesn't pull up anything. So maybe that person <laughs> deleted it when they realized that they were the only person with a positive response to Witless Protection, which, I, let me reiterate, is fucking terrible. Like, really, really, really bad and offensive, and Larry the Cable Guy is a piece of fucking shit. And I mean, I, I really hate him. It's funny to think about the fact that I don't think I've ever seen Larry the Cable Guy's comedy before. I've never seen any of his stand-up. I've seen interviews and things like that with him. And I certainly know his reputation. But aside from the fact that I know he's a fucking idiot, I don't really have anything against the guy. So I went into this with good faith, with the idea with, you know what? Let me try to understand his humor. I'm down with 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 like Southern style humor or redneck humor or hee-haw style humor. I'm like, I can get to that level and I can enjoy it on that level. But let me tell you something, people who think that you can do that, you cannot do that with Willis Protection. This movie is vile. It is just, it gets inside of you and it wants to, it wants to burst out through you and it turns you into something you don't want to be. So with that in mind, that might be a minority position in this group of people. I'm going to go to you first, Liam. What were your thoughts on the 2008 comedy Witless Protection? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I will actually say it was vaguely fascinating. It wasn't as painful as I thought it would be, only because these two movies are so similar. So I kept thinking about if your comedic persona, because this is what's so weird about Larry the Cable Guy, is that his comedic persona is, in some ways, he is a doofus. You know what I mean? Like, right. maybe he's lovable, and certainly it, the character has some insights into real life, and however, but he's not smart or, you know, so <clears throat> somehow they have to make him the butt of the joke but then also make him the hero who has something to bring to the table and be this sort of like skillful sheriff or, you know, his his uh, uh, down home witticisms cut through all the bureaucratic bullshit of liberal America. Yeah, and when people, it... people underestimate him, Liam, simply because he's a fucking racist, sexist piece of garbage. 
So I I think both these movies though do the same game because that's the same thing with the other movie that that's true. Mar- Martin Lawrence's character is the goofball, but he's also magic. And so this idea of the of the uh, clown who also in his clownishness is uh, redeemable, but the difference i guess i was also fascinated by the difference which is that larry the cable guy comes loaded with an ideology so that when he is doing his shtick it's like unnecessary political commentary that has nothing to do with what's going on in the movie like when he's like when you know he keeps making comments about liberals like that's the problem with you liberals and i was like how do you know this lady's a liberal like she just has because she's not from the south like who is this woman we don't know anything about this woman we have no context but he's just like well you have a velour jumpsuit on so therefore you're a liberal and i I just could not it it was it it was such a disaster that i think i actually started to get fascinated with the disaster despite the fact that it's not funny it's not entertaining nothing happens and it's an embarrassment for yafet kodo and i the whole time (laughs) i'm watching it i was kind of humming across 110th street under my breath and weeping a little bit about that but you know it is what it is now that's an opinion liam so again for the counterpoint let's go over to jesse jesse what were your feelings on witless protection while you were watching it which i understand you were watching it right before we recorded this yeah i was sort of putting off watching the end you know it's like having to pay the bill Basically, you know, like maybe I should order another drink. No, maybe I should just wait until they eventually kick me out. So I eventually watched the last few minutes of Witless Protection. I just want to say one thing about Yafet Kodo's appearance. I was kind of, it was kind of despairing to to see him in this movie because he he's ironically he's gone from being the star of Blue Collar to being on with the fucking Blue Collar comedy tour guy Larry the Cable Guy. Ooh, what a trip! And so, like, Yafet Kodo is playing this FBI guy, and I just want, for the record, to say quickly that the movie is Larry, the cable guy guy, isn't a cable guy in this movie. He's a sheriff or something. He works for the cops. He's a local small-town idiot cop who was with his buddies, and then he sees this woman being escorted in by these kind of men in black looking FBI guys and thinks that she's been kidnapped, but then he discovers that she's in the witness protection program and she's being transported to Chicago to testify in some thing. But for some reason, Larry still thinks that his instincts were correct. These FBI guys are up to no good. And this is again, like the Martin Lawrence movie, one of these movies where it's like, is he an idiot or is he a brilliant cop? It's like, he's right. Obviously like these guys are bad bad, and like, Larry saves this girl and they take off on the road together being chased by Yafakoto, just like Midnight Run, except it's completely incompetent. And Larry is like, the other thing that I was trying to figure out is like, he's an idiot and he's like, you know, there's all this poo-poo caca humor in the movie and like sex jokes and he's racist and makes all these offensive comments. But I was like, are the, but then when he starts bashing liberals in the movie, it's like, is this part of why he's such a stupid idiot? Or like the movie wants you to actually think that he's got a point when he makes fun of like liberals. Like, I don't know what it has to do with anything in the movie, but it's like, it just feels like it's inserted this political commentary. But it kind of reminded me a bit of like, you know, when I was watching this film, I was just thinking of Donald Trump and like doing so well in the American, all these people that are angry. I assume that a lot of, like Larry the Cable Guy fans are going to be voting for Donald Trump this fall. But like, it's this sort of like proud of you being dumb and 
you know, like showing these stuffed shirts and these, uh, the blame America first crowd. I don't know what sort of political commentary is doing in a movie that's this stupid. I guess speaking, this- speaking, Jesse, of political commentary, <laughs> some listeners might be aware that Larry the Cable Guy was recently on Fox and Friends where he had some choice words to say about presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. He said, and I quote, Hillary will be the end of the country. That's all I got to say. He went on to also say... I thought that's all he had to say. Well, he, he went on to, to say, say... Maybe he may have said these things before that. He said, I like Trump. Some of the things he says, then he's outrageous, so you just don't know. So right now, if you're wondering who to vote for, and you're a big Larry the Cable Guy fan, A, you should probably... Look, I don't want you to kill yourself. That's not something that I'm going to tell you to do on this podcast. But I do think that you should probably think twice about the decisions that you're making and maybe the people that you uh, approach as as role models. But anyway, he he's going to either vote for Trump or uh, the libertarian nominee. What's his name? Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. Yeah. So uh, so why is why is Larry the Cable Guy withholding its Trump vote? Like, what's the problem with Trump? You would think that Larry the Cable Guy would be okay with the way that Trump talks about Mexicans. I guess it's because Trump can be so outrageous, so he just doesn't know. Now, speaking of being outrageous and not knowing things, back to witless protection for a moment. Um, there's a scene in this movie where – now, by the way, th- we kind of just gloss over the fact that Larry the Cable Guy kidnaps a woman and handcuffs her and does not allow her to leave him. And that is treated as something that's okay when, when that seems to me something that would be very illegal and not good. But mm-hmm. this movie seems to not agree with what I just said. So, I mean, got, yeah, because because he, he's right and right makes right or might yeah. makes right. He does that a lot. There's a lot of her being handcuffed in like even sometimes when I'm like, I don't know why you had to handcuff her in this situation. And then at one point he even gets to beat her up, but it's OK because she's fake dead. Yes, that's right. They inject yeah. her with something. To make her oh, and then yes, that's right. He beats the shit out of her while she's unconscious, and she's aware of it apparently because when she comes to, um, she then uh, hits him because of the fact that he hit her. So rip, that's rip. like the movies. That's the movies' uh, attempt at making things okay. Yes, but she hits him afterwards. Yeah, so it's all it balances. Look, you know what? Here's the thing. Let me tell you about how the wage gap is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, there's a scene oh. in this. There's a scene in this movie where Larry the Cable Guy takes his um, slave. I mean, that's what she is to a hotel, and they try to check in. And the uh, owner, or I guess the the person working the desk, the at guy the hotel, at the desk, is um, it's a motel, isn't it? It's like a it, seedy motel. That's right. It's a motel, and the the actor behind the the desk is played by uh, Jerry Bednob, who you might know from the Forty Year Old Version, and and uh, he plays a lot of kind of stereotypical. Um, I mean, really, I guess Middle Eastern roles in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. But he's so an he, Indian actor, isn't he? He, he is an Indian actor, but uh, here he's playing a character named Omar, which, I mean, that is grist for Larry the Cable Guy's mill because yep. he gets to make a lot of terrorist jokes. He gets a, he starts scanning. Muslim jokes. Muslim jokes. He, he gets to, to pretend that he's going to scan around to find uh, explosive materials so he can uh, report him and get him sent to Gitmo because that's hilarious to... to he explains oh. American money to him That's right. as if he's not already an American. Because this motel only accepts credit cards, and Larry the Cable Guy is like, that's not America. Um, the America I know accepts cash because cash has in God we trust on it. Yeah. I, I might be actually— And he calls him Muhammad, and then, and then 
yeah, he makes all these jokes because he's got ten different names. Oh, Liam... it's just like, oh my god. And but what was bothering me about it too was that it was an Indian actor. It was like, oh, I guess they had trouble finding an Arab actor who wanted to play this part. I can't imagine why that might be the case. Liam, what did you think of that scene? Did you find a lot to enjoy in it? Oh yeah, it was comedic cold. I at that point, I think I was actually just like tuning out a little bit, like just like please, can we end this movie already? Like at least the jokes where there's like a possum in his truck. It's like, oh okay, yeah, that's he's a dumb all hick. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, the I I think these moments, the the racism, you know, basically the the prejudice against Muslim folks. The weird comments about liberals. I think this is the equivalent of Martin Lawrence dropping his catchphrases. That's yeah. the stuff that Larry, I'm sure, insisted on. Like, well, there's got to be a scene where I say stuff to a to a Muslim. I'll make him that's a Hillary, Hillary Clinton joke. Yeah, yeah, like that's got to. That's like in his contract. Like those moments have to be in the movie because it's it kills. Like, let's pretend the movie has momentum. It kills the momentum. It has nothing to do with it. Like nothing endears the character to us in that he can't deal with this guy. He doesn't seem smart. Like, a lot of the moments where he does stupid hick stuff, it works out that he's smart in doing that. Nothing in this scene, he can't figure out how to even get what he needs in this scene other than to be a racist. Like, it doesn't work. But he's not just a racist. He's also a sexist. Yeah, no, that's, he's multi, he's that's multi, true, that's too. Like, but, if you, I, but if you notice, the sexism works for him because all these attractive women are, like, into him despite him being fat and gassy and not yeah. smart. His sexism mm -hmm. is what wins them over to his side. Wait, are you well, a yeah, it's like a, He gets to talk to them part. however he wants. Like, they have no agency at all. <laughs> They're just no. taking it. Now, I just want to say there was this one scene where I was like, what? At how awful the dialogue was. <laughs> so Jenny McCarthy plays this, you know, gum snapping waitress at the cop, the, the cat, the diner. <laughs> and uh, she's got brunette hair. And in fact, I didn't recognize her for the first scene. And she's, you know, of course, Larry's girlfriend, because a disgusting, you know, racist guy has a babe girlfriend. So he's he's with his buddies and they're all sitting at the table and they're making sort of sex talk around her. And she says, well, I get off in an hour. And he says, well, it won't take me that long. I got Crisco at my house. And it's like, what? Did I just kill both of you? No, no, I'm leaving that silence so that the people listening can really <laughs> soak in what you just said. I, I uh, okay. there's a, there's after he kidnaps the uh the woman and they're driving together they have a lot of back and forth snappy awful truth-esque dialogue that goes back mm -hmm. between them yeah it's just like it happened one night it's great yeah it really is and it it there's a part where she says uh i put i put some screenshots of this up on twitter and she says are you insane and his response is no i'm larry wah, wah, wah. yeah like that's an example of just how hilarious this movie is jesus yeah, and, and, you know, the, the other thing, both of these movies, National Security and Witless Protection, I was thinking about the sort of programmer programming kind of movies that would be made in the 30s or the 40s with, like, not the Marx Brothers, but, like, some, you know, the Ritz Brothers or whatever. Sure. Just boring, boringly filmed, just people talking and making jokes and the shot doesn't matter and, you know, it's in focus. Who cares? 
and like, you know, in a way it applies to this sort of classic tradition of that sort of pedestrian, you know, 80 minute long thirties or forties comedy. That's not all that funny and has been forgotten in time. You know, there were tons of movies that were made like that, that nobody thinks about now, but because, you know, we remember the Marx Brothers, we don't remember the sort of copycats and stuff. And, and sure. to me, these two movies kind of feel like these movies that would be lost to history if it weren't for things like videotape. No one would preserve this film. Well, I mean, I I hate to disagree with you, Jesse, but you might you might have heard that Larry that Larry the Cable Guy was recently in the public consciousness because he's making headlines because of his political views. Yeah, he's like that Joe the Plumber guy. Yeah, yeah, we've gone even further. I mean, Larry the Cable Guy, in a way, I mean, there's an insinuation with Larry the Cable Guy that he appeals to a sort of a higher class, like people that would have cable, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, do people who install cable, do they necessarily also? No, I guess not. I guess they get it at a very low rate. Liam O'Donnell. But they're like, go ahead. Yeah, we got to go over to Liam for a second. Liam. (laughs) Yeah. Joe Mantegna. (laughs) Mantegna. Mantegna, right. Mantegna. Mantegna. Let me me start that again. Liam O'Donnell. Joe Mantegna. What the fuck is he doing in witless protection? Well, um. His wife is very overweight. What I don't understand the accent he's doing. It seems no. to be no. it's wild, cro- it? it seems to be a cross between. <laughs> it, uh, it, there's kind of like a little bit of Peter Lorre in there. There's a little bit of like a weird effeminate thing going on. It's southern, but it also has like almost like a Eastern European accent to it. It's very strange, and then no explanation of why if he's a doctor. He just has all this Botox. Like they didn't say like he's a plastic surgeon or he's a cosmetic whatever, but he just has all this Botox. He just has it. Yeah. So that's something that happens in the movie as well. But we need to get on to the top. And he's also giving this performance that has nothing to do with anything. Like yeah, he's well, just, like he's over the top. He's one of the. Maybe he was trying to pre- because... like oh well that was a wild weekend where I agreed to be in this Larry the Cable Guy movie and I was wasted that whole weekend. I don't remember that. He was friends with somebody, I'm sure. Yeah. So the bad guy in this movie is Peter Stormare, who plays with with a British like he's doing a British yeah. accent on top of his regular uh, Swedish. Yeah, Swedish. Terrible. Over enunciating. Yeah. But it's OK, because who gives a shit about whatever is going on in this movie? And he's like um, a financial person who scanned people. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Eric Roberts plays his henchman, Wilford Duval, and he gets a one on one fight scene with Larry the Cable Guy. And uh, let's go to you, Jesse. What what happens in that scene? Well, it's like he he tur- for some reason achy breaky heart starts playing. I don't even remember. Is that supposed to be in the scene or that might have been happening layered in- over the scene? There are all these bad covers of songs. Like the movie starts with "Eye of the Tiger" and oh, there's yes. achy breaky heart, and uh, yeah, so they're having this huge fight in some room with vases or whatever, like some security thing. And then, like, he starts doing this fucking kung fu moves, Eric Roberts. And, like, uh-huh. finally you start feeling, oh, that's why he's in this movie. Because before that, he has nothing to do, really. Right. Like, all of a sudden, he's a kung fu master who, of course, gets killed by Larry the Cable Guy. He, what does he throw? A vase at his head? Yeah, he hits him with, a, with not a vase, but, like, some sort of other artifact, yes. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, this jolt of energy in this movie that you already don't care about. It, uh, 
I feel like so, certain people saw best of the best in the early 90s, and yeah. they have mistaken Eric Roberts as this martial arts expert. Maybe they thought he was this martial arts expert, and yeah. he wasn't going to tell them otherwise. Yeah, so he gets... Eric Roberts' game. So, because, like, Eric Roberts could have easily played the the lead bad guy role. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, but but yeah, instead, he actually probably gets more screen time as this secondary character. Really. Yeah, that's true. Because the, the main bad guy is barely in the movie. Eric Roberts pops. Well, you have to wait a long time for Eric Roberts to show up. It's like almost halfway through. Yeah. But yep. It Liam seems was, like oof. it seems like he's supposed to be like a game changer in the movie, like like he's like the secret weapon. But then he doesn't really do anything no. other than he pulls a gun out, he makes the crouching tiger joke, he wears clothes that are strangely baggy for no reason. Like he's supposed to be wearing this like outfit that like he's security. And if you really pay attention, you're like, why could no one find pants that fit him? Why is he doing kung fu in uh-huh. giant? pants and why is he wearing his gun belt outside of his windbreak like everything about what he's wearing just doesn't make sense at all and it kept actually bothering me a lot Let, let's note by the way that he makes a crouching tiger reference in 2008 that movie yeah. came out in 2001 yeah yeah so this is well, that's how late. long they were working on this film that's all right well the script yeah. was in, in the works for a good decade so it was on the blacklist of the best unproduced <laughs> screenplays he wanted he wanted to make a martial arts reference is there some other reference than crouching tiger i don't know it <laughs> larry hasn't seen a lot of asian movies he <laughs> might have a... seen crouching tiger because it was like a big hit maybe this was originally this was originally a gallagher vehicle that was polished over the decades and yeah. prepared eventually for Larry the yeah. Cable Guy. So with that in mind, that Eric Roberts does have a fight among some priceless artifacts and then gets knocked unconscious and is basically a non-entity for the rest of the movie, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2008's Witless Protection? Let's start with you, Liam. Fucking man or no? So I was completely invested in saying no. I was ready to say no because most of the movie, I'm just like, why is he in this fucking movie? It doesn't make any sense. But when he gets hit with the artifact... Right. He doesn't die. He shows up again later in a scene where the right. bad guy is being foiled. And the way that Larry the Cable Guy foils this gentleman is he pretends to give him the disc with the informa- the incriminating information on it. And instead, it's a video of Larry the Cable Guy singing, I think, singing Don't Break My Heart. Yeah, Achy Break Your yeah. Heart. Yeah, Achy Break, whatever that fucking song is. And We're wearing a Billy Ray Cyrus wig. And there's a mysterious shot of... There's multiple shots, actually, of Eric Roberts in the background just nonchalantly dancing to the song. And at that <laughs> moment, I thought, yeah, he's the man. Because there's no reason for that. That character would not be like, oh, cool, I'll just dance right now. That's like clearly a moment where they're like, well, this is the only shot we have, even though Eric Roberts is dancing in the background. We'll just use it anyway. And I was like, okay, he's the man. I got more of a sense like, who gives a shit? And they're like, who gives a shit? Let's yeah, just it doesn't it matter. Oh. Jesse Hawken. Liam, your enthusiasm. I, I mean, the way that you were able to forgive Eric for being in this film <laughs> was very inspiring to me. I was going to vote no. Because he's not in the movie enough. That's true. And the Kung Fu scene, though, you know, I guess it's kind of gives a little bit of a tiny spark in this movie, which like at this point, a complete damp sponge. But yes, that part where he's dancing that's the sort of thing that a guy who's the fucking man would do. Because what does he care? This is this shitty Larry the Cable Guy movie. 
you just I'll give you whatever I give you and you can use it. And that's a good attitude for him to have. So I, I don't know. I guess if we have to rescue one person from this smoldering wreckage, then it might as well be Eric Roberts. So yeah, fine. He's the fucking man. I feel like it's unfortunate that we'd be rewarding somebody because they didn't give a shit about the movie that they were in. However, if you're not going to give a shit about a movie, that movie should be 2008's Witless Protection starring Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. Eric Roberts is and of I, course. We should we should say that go ahead. I don't want well, to stomp on your line. Oh yeah, no, well you you just did, but that's okay cuz I'm going to say right now Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2008's Witless Protection. How could he not be among this star-studded cast of absolute shit? I mean, this garbage, awful piece of... Like, really, it is one of the worst things you'll see. Which is a weird thing to say on this show, where we actually have watched things that are worse than this. But this is the kind of movie where it actually really does make you want to not watch movies afterwards. Like, I'm going to need, like, a break of a couple well, of days. I don't want you guys to quit this project over this movie. Oh, no, we made a blood oath. So we okay, can. good. Because, I mean, this I mean, this experience of watching these two Eric Roberts movies, which, you know, we took a little time to figure out which ones we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And then we committed to them. But I have, like, renewed respect for what you guys are doing because, like, it means that you sometimes have to watch this kind of shit. Some days, like, some days it's runaway train. Some days it's witless protection. Exactly. More days it's witless protection than runaway. Train. <laughs> I was gonna say that seems like all of my episodes <laughs> are fucking witless protection. You guys liked runaway train, didn't you? Wait, you know what? We should return to runaway train. That's it. We'll just we'll start from the beginning again. Liam, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, as long as, as long as I get to handpick which going back to the beginning means, then yeah, I'm okay with that. Whatever. Anyway, 2008's Witless Protection. I'm gonna give it a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, that might be. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that these were two a, brutal thumbs downs. Yeah, that's a shame that both of these movies are so bad, but it's okay. No, it's because, fun. They're fun okay. to talk about. J- Jesse, if you want to say it's fun, that is perfectly okay but don't tell me it was fun (laughs) fair enough we're gonna take our final break and when we return we're gonna have a little talk with jesse and we're gonna say good night Security and Witless Protection. Yes, those are the two movies we reluctantly talked about on episode number 34 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. I want to give a massive thank you to Jesse Hawken for joining us for these wonderful examples of the Eric Roberts oeuvre. Jesse, thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was, uh, this is my first podcast and it was a total pleasure. Sorry. I mean, Eric Roberts, we, we want you to try a little harder. I think that's the advice. I, we can you know what? For the, there are terrible films, and like if he's working on one right now, he should talk to his agent about like really working on getting good screenplays. Is that really the lesson that we want to put out into the world? I don't know. Do you think 
he'd work. Do we want to see more Eric Roberts movies in general, or do we want to see more good Eric Roberts movies? I figure the percentages say that some of them will be good. Okay. <laughs> it's just my experience with Eric Roberts has been, I really want to see him be in better stuff. Okay. I'll, cause it's, I'm glad to see him working. Like I was glad to see him show up in inherent vice, even though he didn't really do much. And like, I don't know why he was left off the poster for the dark night. He was in a fair bit of that movie, but then he didn't make the poster. That's true. And he got a poster for inherent vice, which makes no sense because he's in the movie for like a minute. <laughs> Someone liked him there. Well, I mean, I'd put him on the poster too, if I had my choice, but I'd also have like given him more stuff to do. Anyway, what I'm saying is, Eric, if you're listening, give us a really good movie at some point because we really need them. There's good movies coming. I have faith. Okay, good. Jesse, as long as you have faith. Jesse, if people want to find out... We didn't out... even Sorry. talk about a talking cat all night. We no, didn't no. even talk about a talking cat at all. Well, of course. I'm... So <laughs> I watched what... a talking cat too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right. That'll be our third feature that we're going to talk about on this episode. <laughs> Jesse, if people want to follow what you're doing online or check out your work, what's their best way to do so? Well, I mean, I'm on Twitter all the time, of course, making people laugh. I do a weekly column for Torontoist these days, which where I look at the newspapers that morning and try to award a prize to the best newspaper of the day. I'll also be doing some coverage of the Toronto Film Festival for Torontoist this September. Good stuff. And on Twitter, where are you on Twitter? I am Jesse Hawken, J-E-S-S-E. H-W-K-E-N. Yeah, at Jesse Hawken. I'll, of course, link that in the show notes. At, oh, at, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about the nomenclature. At Jesse Hawken. Right. They'll figure it out. And again, you guys, we will, we will link in the show notes. Please do. Liam O'Donnell, you're back. You are re-energized after your, your trip to this film festival. What'd you say? I'm sorry, I was asleep. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I am actually. That the festival was awesome, and it's good to be back home, even if home right now is chaos. Well, this is Hardcore Fest, and the Bruce Campbell Film Festival obviously took a lot out of you, but it seems like those are the big two things of the year out of the way. Do you have anything else coming up? Uh, no, literally, absolutely nothing. Uh, no, we we're planning some things for Cinepunks. Uh, which if you're in the Philadelphia area, we definitely want you to participate in, but they're still, we're still working on them. They're not yet in the announcement phase. Well, where, where can people find you, Liam? Uh, at Liam rules or, uh, that's R U L Z by the way, or at Cinepunks. All right. And where can I, where can you find me, Liam? Uh, at Doug underscore Tilly. Or you can just sh- uh, Twitter search Boner Vivant. <laughs> yeah, I'm out there somewhere. Yeah, no, if you want to find my work, it can be found on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. I recently joined Dorkshelf.com, and I also started a new project, which is uh, following the entire development of Empire International Pictures and all of the films that they released in the 1980s. I'm not only writing up articles on each one, I'm also developing videos for each one. Uh, the latest one, which will probably be out by the time this comes out, is on 1982's Parasite, directed by Charles Band. You can also uh, find me on the No Budget Nightmares podcast, which is available through nobudgetpodcast.com, and that's also on Dorkshelf. 
You can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M as well as on ericrobertsisthemand.com. You can also search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook and join our group there to get a little behind the scenes information or recommend future Eric Roberts movies to cover. But with that said, we've stayed way too long talking about national security and goddamn witless protection. Uh, thankfully, now that we watch them, we never have to watch them again. That is something that we really have to focus it's on. It's kind of a gift, isn't it? It is. It is like a gift to watch something so bad, but with the realization that it's done like you're through that part of it and we survived we all did thank you once again jesse for thank for, you for joining us we will be back in just a couple of weeks with two more eric roberts classics eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man if there's anything that you can do eric roberts fucking can